Welcome to the first episode of the Wild Isle podcast. Today I have as a guest, Mr. Leon Lane. How are you doing, Leon? That's me. I'm doing good. I'm really full of food, so you got me at a good time. Yeah, he ate like nine tacos, right, before you came in? Exactly nine. That is correct. I don't think I've ever eaten nine tacos, Leon. No, I don't imagine that you would. I don't recommend it either to anybody out there who might be thinking about eating nine tacos. <laughs> not good. All right. So we're not going to be talking about tacos today. Um, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, some mad philosophical conclusions that I've come to over the years. Uh, so Leon and I are close friends. We've known each other for a long while, but, you know, in adult life, you stop hanging out. And so we haven't had a chance to talk and I haven't had a chance to run a lot of these ideas past him very thoroughly. I'm scared this is like a manifesto or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a manifesto, but, uh, you know, you said you're scared. So what are you, what are you thinking I'm going to say? Like, give me, um, I want to know your darkest fears about. I don't have any fears. Uh, I know you gave me something to read over before doing this, which in true Leon fashion, I didn't read over. So I have no idea. But uh, honestly, you're way more tame, I feel like, these days. So I'm not really worried about anything. But uh, maybe in the past, I would think it's... I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I understand. Some of your crazy ideas. Yeah. So, um, for those you've been keeping up, uh, you might have might have seen I've been writing aphorisms. Are you familiar with af what aphorisms are? No, they're sort of like maxims. So you've definitely seen them before. Uh, oftentimes, people might just call them quotes. It is a philosophical idea condensed down into uh, a very short form and then delivered in such a way, uh, usually that the point being made has to be uncovered by the person reading it. It's not obvious. Okay. So like most things that'll probably be brought up, I do know what that is. I just don't know what the name of that is. Yeah. Like, so we're going to start out today with one of those um, axioms. We might move to a few more, but uh, if, these are like what you post on your Instagram. Right? Yes. I, I post these everywhere all yeah. the time. I try to write five a week to challenge myself to articulate my ideas in a, um, it's a digestible format. Uh, part of this is because I've been reading way too much Frederick Nietzsche, and he loved the uh, French aphoristic form. So, which is exactly what I'm about to read to okay. you now, essentially. So, the first one is called an invitation to violence. Okay, so that sounds like something you would you would enjoy. Yeah. So it's uh, who knows if it's actually more uh, more tame than than you would have thought. So. We'll talk about it, and but first I'll read it out, and then we'll get your impression. So, an invitation to violence. Everywhere there persists that most insufferable form of hypocrite who, without a second thought, without thinking at all, expects others to receive his opinions well, but who has no stomach for someone else's. Well, friends, what shall we give him then? Violence? Is that what you just at the conclusion? Because that's the name of it. Uh, well, there is a, an implication. I wouldn't of suggest that. No, I also would not actually suggest. Even that if, anyone... like, sometimes those people like seem like they should get smacked. You know, like when someone 
goes outside of school and they are like have a megaphone and they're like abortions are wrong and you're all going to hell or something like you see that sometimes like not even at an abortion clinic like which i don't think would be like i feel like you're never changing someone's opinion when you're doing something like that like when you're inconveniencing like the general public even if what you're saying is like good which it isn't for like a lot of the time of people I just like want to avoid you. I don't know. I guess what was what was the question though? That's what I was, I was actually about to ask you. Is what you took was the message from that? Okay. Right. You didn't even it was read... called a call to violence. An invitation. An invitation. Invitation. Someone is inviting somebody else to violence when they're doing something particular. Do you want me to read it again? For all the viewers out there might want to hear sure. it a second time, so I'll go over it again. So everywhere there persists that most insufferable form of hypocrite. So I'm calling someone a hypocrite for whatever it is I'm, I'm claiming that they're doing, right? Who, without a second thought, without thinking at all, expects others to receive his opinions well. So he expects other people to listen to what he has to say, but has no stomach for someone else's. Like they... I mean, I get what they're saying. I don't know why it's a call to violence. Well, I'll, 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 I'll pitch the idea to you and you can tell me what you think. So something I had noticed, um, this was actually years back when I was staying in um, Palm Beach, Florida with my great uh, aunt or great second aunt or some, some mm -hmm. distant relative on my dad's side. And I recognized that often people will subject others to their opinion. When I say the word opinion, I mean their preferences, things they prefer, right? Uh, you might even say beliefs uh, rather than opinions, but they, they, they go to someone without asking, without unprompted, will say what they think and then become irate when the person contradicts them. Now, what is happening here? Well, I realized that person's a hypocrite because they've already forced whatever it is they wanted to say onto that other person, it is only fair that the other person at the very least can respond in kind. Right? Like a video with the comments turned off. Like a terrible video where you can't comment on it. <laughs> it is like, yeah, no, it is. No, that's exactly, it's, 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 it's in a sense, it's worse than that because you don't have to go to the video yeah. and the person in the situation is coming to you and just saying that. So, you know, here in West Virginia, um, you run into one of two things. Uh, typically, you might run into uh, the occasional belligerent uh, fundamentalist Christian who also assumes you're a fundamentalist Christian, starts talking to you as such. And if you bring up the fact you're not, then they get all offended and start attacking your character. Um, I just avoid people. That's my good. That's how I avoid all this. But Yes, you can, <laughs> you can just be antisocial. But if you haven't run into that, you might have run into someone. Uh, I think we all have run into someone now who does this with politics they'll say they're oh, yeah. They'll, yeah they'll, they'll talk about whatever politics they might not even tell you what they what they believe but they talk in such a way that it assumes that you agree with them and it forces it, it doesn't force you but you know that if you bring up well hey actually i don't really feel the same way or i don't think the same way that you do okay yeah i i the way i deal with that is usually I just like agree in a very like 
nonchalant, just kind of like, yeah, that's crazy type of way, you know, where like, I don't believe what they're saying, but I also don't care enough to tell them that I don't believe in it or that it's, I just assume that I already can feel where the whole conversation is going and I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, well, I'm here to tell you today, Mr. Lane, that that's actually uh, really dangerous if left unchecked across society for a long time. So as an individual, it makes no difference, right? You do like we all do that. I, I'm guilty of having done that, especially when I'm working, because I don't want to get fired. Though I do fight with customers about philosophical issues. I feel like it's generally when you're work, because when else are you like subject to someone talking to you? like that you don't really know or care for. I go out in public to like write and things a lot. And so I get into conversations with people, but um, some people might not, right? If, if your work is more solitary, yeah, you might, this might never come up. But we do know situations where this very situation came up over and over and over and over again. I'll give you two. Uh, first one is Nazi Germany. Because in Nazi Germany at the time, you had... It's, it's, tell me if this sounds familiar. You had a bunch of um, young communist gangs going into bars and such and uh, or going just going around town, starting fights, rallying around their political ideas. And then in response to these communist gangs, you had a right wing snapback reaction. So then you had right wing gangs and these right wing gangs uh, ended up, let's say, uh, not balkanizing, it's not the right word, but rallying, rallying around them came out this very strong rallying around these right, uh, from these right wing gangs came from what ended up being the National Socialist Movement, where they galvanized um, around, uh, amongst other things, anti Semitisms, and that became the Nazis. And the, why were they able to come into power? even though a lot of people did find them distasteful, they were also violent, right? They're also very forceful is because everyone just thought it was easier to just go. I mean, definitely there's a line. Like if someone was like, Hey man, I just love killing kids. <laughs> I would be like, yeah, me too. <laughs> well, Let's well, keep going with what we're doing. We'll get into that because there are killing kids, obviously not, but there are some parallels in modernity. I want to give you the second example though. And uh, the Soviet Union. So I was, uh, we were having a private discussion earlier. And I was talking about the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I think I said that name right. Uh, and one thing he mentions is that the whole system maintained itself simply because no one was willing to speak out. Everyone, let's say, called themselves, quieted themselves, self-censored until it was too late, until everyone was so used to lying and having people lie to them that no one felt they could trust anybody. And at that point, you couldn't say what you believed because the apparatus that would lock you in a labor camp was already in place. And this isn't another example, but it's something he did mention is that people actually started to believe their lies because psychologically it's easier for you to say that you were telling the truth the whole time to believe in yourself than it is to say, no, I was a dishonest actor and I, I was cowardly. I was weak. I was just going I feel along like when enough people around you are doing something. You, but you don't really have to think or have an opinion on it at all. Like you kind of just accept that it's happening, whether or not like 
it is right or wrong. I don't know. I think that is how like things for like the vast majority of people are where they're not like, you know, militant or anything like that, like in politics or anything. You're like, if you're just working and living your life, things are kind of just like happening around you and you're kind of just subject to that and you have no real control over any of it. Yeah, or even comprehension. Yeah. Like how often do you find that anyone understands the political philosophy underpinning their political beliefs? No, probably no one, really. Like, or just like such a low percentage that it might as well be no one. Like, yeah. It's just, it's uh, basically sports teams. It's a way to is... align oneself, feel good. Yeah, I, I never got into politics, really, because that's what it it's just seemed like. Yeah, I always explain to people it's just two teams each chanting us, 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 feeling, um, let's say, either uh, morally superior or feeling, um, you know, Nietzsche might say powerful. Because if I identify with a group that wields power and we'll get into that wielding of power. So and then you feel like you are contributing, like since I'm on this team, like there it is. I've done I've done all I have to do. Yeah, you feel like a, a virtuous person, even though yeah. you haven't accomplished anything, right? Yeah, you just tossed a, your name into an ocean of ballots. Yeah, we see that with uh, social media, people putting filters and things or little badges representing whatever faction they belong to. And it's like, look how virtuous I am, everyone. Um, did you know that's an actual thing, signal, signaling theory? It's uh, something that was observed in animals. So when people say virtue signaling, they're referring. Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, uh, there's a, a form, I think it's type of goat. They uh, leap up in the air just randomly to demonstrate their like how good at leaping they are. Yeah, <laughs> to both, awesome. to both suggest to predators like you're not gonna catch me, motherfucker. Look how tall, how high I can leap, and it shows like all the uh, all females the like, bitches. oh, look how high. Oh, yeah, that goat can jump. Yeah, well, there's a peacock, right? Look how big my fucking tail is, and I haven't been killed yet. So yeah, I mean, it works. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's bring this back around to the invita invitation to violence. So we've established that that person is a hypocrite because they, they're unwilling to stomach somebody else's opinions. And we've also shown that it's actually kind of dangerous what they're doing. They're playing a game with you. They don't know. I, I don't think they know that they're doing this. I think, a lot, I think all humans are animals because we are animals. And I think most people are let's say, mostly operated by their instincts. They don't develop a very uh, robust, what I might call ego consciousness, which uh, to not dive too deep into this because I can talk forever. Uh, imagine that your ego is like a muscle and the way that you train it is you expose yourself to it or you, uh, it to yourself. So you look at yourself and you start noticing things you don't like. Mm -hmm. And then you experience pain because it sucks to find out bad things about yourself that you should have been aware of, but because they're painful, we decide to ignore or it feels better to ignore. Yeah. I can get into a different aphorism all about that. But um, Okay, so people people ignore that they're operated by their instincts. So they're not doing this on purpose, but yet they still do it. And the game that they're playing with you is a power game. Now, this is something I had realized a few months ago. So we talked about me realizing about the hypocrisy when I was in Florida. Later, I put together this idea that, okay. So it might seem like a tangent. It's not. What is reason? What is it? Is that a question? Or yeah, I mean, you could you could answer it, but if you want, it's more of a rhetorical question yeah. because it, the idea is reason's a game. 
it's a set of rules by which we can both play. It's like a referee that we can defer to. So like if you have a game, it only works if there is a set of limitations, restraints, things that we're both appealing to. Otherwise, if you we go to play chess and then I just start doing things you can't do in chess, we're not playing chess anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Then that's called cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I guess what is this? What are we defining with reason? So reason is is a game. It's a set of constraints. It, it, Why is it a game though? It seems more like rules than a game. Games are rules. I mean, I wouldn't say all rules are a game. Though. No, no, but all games are rules. Not all rules are games, but all games are rules. If you strip away rules, the game dissolves necessarily. Okay. There is no game that has no rules. Well. I still don't understand how how does that make reason a game? Okay, so for something to be reasonable or rational, it must uh, follow logic. Now, uh, what that means is that it doesn't contradict itself. It is consistent across time. Um, now, sounds it, like a boring game. It is a boring <laughs> game. Most people do not like to play the game called reason. <laughs> I can agree with that. But some people perhaps unconsciously pretend that they're playing the game called reason. They pretend that they're pretending right now. I hope not. (laughs) Right. But they do, they, they, they'll engage with you in a conversation, right? They'll expose to you um, their ideas. That's the hypocrisy. And when they are unwilling to tolerate a contradiction, what this, what they're doing here is a form of manipulation. Because what they're doing is saying, I'm actually not willing to play the game called reason, the only game by which we can, let's say, um, not be in a power competition of either force or deception. Because reason is what we appeal to when we want to come to common ground between each other, when we actually want to come to something that's true, when uh, it's not an arbitrary... Well, why I'm- is it a game? It's a it's a game because it operates like how a game has rules. So imagine that. But that's we, like saying anything with a game with rules is a game. Many things as rules are game like. So say we have a disagreement. But you can, I mean, can you lose that reason? Yes. I mean, obviously you can be unreasonable, <laughs> but like you can make an error, and I mean, the other you person can turn use. something into a game. But I wouldn't say that like in its own like like reason on its own would be a game like if you wrote down everything about reason like i don't know maybe i'm just not following let me let me play this out and then you can tell me this sounds like we're playing a game so you and i have a disagreement okay now like right now yes like right now i guess it seems like a game in a way but i mean so there are certain moves that we can each make certain appeals now i can't just say any words i want i can't construct any random thoughts i want and just say haha i'm right I mean, I could do that, but then all of a sudden you're going to say, what bullshit is this, right? Like, this is, it's not even a conversation anymore. And I mean, that's, if I agree with you, then it's not a game. Um, well, it means I win. I won the to, game. To who, though? I could say I won because you think that you won. You might have won a, a different game, but the game of disagreement, right? So if we have a disagreement, now we could both lose in that we could both be wrong. Um, I think two people arguing were... Neither of them can convince the other one. I think in that sense, they've both lost. I think it's sort of like two people playing chess who don't know how to play chess. Maybe. Yeah. Often. I think that's usually what it is. 
uh, or with two people, they get to a point in playing chess and then they both can't agree on how a particular rule works and then they get entrenched and it's like a, you know, a, a D&D table where you get into the rules lawyering and the, like the game just grinds to a halt. Which I feel like it. happens almost no matter what. When you play D and D, maybe not, no matter what, but it happens about as often in D and D as people not being able to settle an argument using reason. Okay, so uh, I'm going to continue to try to make my case, and you can tell me if it. I sounds... mean, we can just assume it's a game and move on if you want. I'll all let right. you win. No, it's all right. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to win. I. I just want to get through. Um, so we have a disagreement, and if I would say make valid arguments i mean that technically so valid means that uh one point follows from the other i'm not saying something that's a non sequitur which means does not sequence which is latin basically for not does not follow mm-hmm. um and i don't say anything that Did you is... just take us on a side quest there with that whole description yes uh that was a side quest and so i had to say something that follows while well, each premise falls from that and the uh, from the prior premise and then the conclusion follows from the line of premises and each premise has to be true i can't just say something that is untrue mm-hmm. because i can reach any conclusion i want if i just lie or if i say something that's wrong so that's obeying the rules of reason now if we're in disagreement It's uh, sort of like a contest, which of us is correct or uh, are we both partially correct? Are we both like partial winners, partial losers, or are we both losers? We both could be entirely wrong. That's also possible. Uh, What's not possible is that we're both completely correct if we are in fact in contradiction with one another. Unless you're both dumb and you think you're contradicting each other, but you both are agreeing. There is a possibility that it's a, a miscommunication happening where or neither. Maybe, maybe you're both wrong, but one of you is more right. That's also possible. So one person is partially correct and the other yeah. person is entirely incorrect. Yes, that also happens. But you can see how there is a um, perhaps a spectrum of victory where each person can attain to a certain amount. As long as we're, we're playing by the rules, basically. As long as we are being reasonable people in the conversation. Now... Let's say I decide not to be. Also, I don't feel like it is a vi- like I when two people are like arguing and they come to a conclusion. I've to me, it has always felt like a victory for both people. If they come to a common resolution, well, not even com like any resolution, unless it unless the resolution is I think this way and you think that way. I think it's beneficial. For both people, if like if you if we argue and you and I change my mind, I agree with you. I wouldn't say like you have won. I would say like both people win in a way. Like, because I mean, you're getting like like the knowledge has been gotten. And like, in it, it, actually, the one the person who was wrong is won more because they are now smarter. Yeah, it's like the the loser can has more to learn. Um, I can understand why you describe I, it that way why i guess i don't really see it as a game exactly. let's say that we had a uh a tournament fight and we apply the same scenario and i win the fight but we both learn from the fight so we both benefited from the fight but it was a contest and but I that won. is a contest an argument isn't necessarily a contest it's like two ideas banging <laughs> each other it just looks a lot. This, this is looking a lot. Exact fight, like 
But and then the one <laughs> fuck, but still. Um we can just continue. Yeah, all right. So it doesn't really matter quite if it's if it's uh if it's a game or a contest, but the analogy makes sense, right? We 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 can get the conversation through for both reasons. Also, a contest or like a game or like where someone winning, it feels more like combative where a lot of like arguments aren't necessarily by people. I mean, there definitely happens where two people that like don't like each other argue because that makes sense. They, but um, like an argument isn't always bad. Well, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm or, just saying that it's yeah, there's a contradiction. There's there's two ideas that are opposed, and you got to figure when, out. When there's like a winner and a loser, though, it feels bad. I guess. Well, yeah. I feel like not like reason in general. It like I don't know. I can see the similarities for sure. Where it's like a game. Yeah. Well, we his, can just continue. Yeah. Here's also, what I want to really matter. Here's what I want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Here's what I want to get to is that imagine now, I refuse to be reasonable. I could be doing a couple things when I do this. So, um, I could change my argument halfway through, or part of the way through. I could keep changing it over and over and over again, and insist that I'm not, and uh, insist that you are, even if you've been consistent. And this is um, maybe I'm doing this by mistake. You'll see people will just forget what they have said or, or believe that they said whatever sounds the best to them at that time. And they're not really paying attention. I, I, I say they don't listen to themselves speak. Mm-hmm. It's just coming out of them. And then they're they're navigating like, um, you know, uh, in the moment. And they don't it's like as if they have been ripped out of time and space. So people can do that. That's kind of a, a manipulation. Or I could just get really aggressive with you and berate you, and, and I could attack you verbally, and I could even perhaps intimidate you, and uh, have my posture, my tone, uh, my particular choice of words suggest that if you keep disagreeing, I'm going to escalate until this gets. I violent. think also people get intimidated like that, even if the person isn't displaying anything at all, like just if someone's way bigger than you, maybe. Yeah. Or like maybe even a girl just talking to a guy that's way bigger than them. Maybe it's not even like more, it's subconscious, but I'm sure it's always there. Like when you're talking to someone, you don't talk to everybody the same, even when you're not trying to like talk to people differently. Like if you see like an extremely attractive person, like you're not going to talk to them how me and you would talk to each other more than likely just because you're going to be like anxious or nervous. And it's probably the same, I would think, for anything else, really. Yeah, I think a lot of this, these uh, dynamics are playing themselves out, you know, uh, by our own animal instincts. This, this mm-hmm. biology is, di- is dictating a lot of this. Nonetheless, people do do it, both of those scenarios. Now, what they're doing when they're doing that, whether they realize it or not, is they're essentially cheating the conversation. They're either uh, manipulating their, well, for lack of a better word, opponent, uh, or they are like strong arming them. They're trying to, that's a direct, more intimidation approach, trying to just get them to shut up or uh, submit, to agree. Uh, We'd say if you get mobbed online nowadays, that would be more of the strong arm approach where we're all just going to come and say that like you're, um, you know, 
what is it? There's various forms of bigotry. People throw labels out until you get fired from your job, and then we're gonna try to like, you know, blackmail you or whatever. People do that. Those behaviors are the deviation from the willingness to let's say submit. I don't want to say submit to reason, but we'll say that for now. It was essentially to play by the rules of reason so that you and the other person can actually come to common ground. Now, what that means is that when you have a dispute with someone, peace lies in reason. Because reason is the game you can both play to put the re to have a referee to decide who wins and who loses. Uh, or if you don't want to say wins or loses, who is more correct and who is less correct I think and what a, the truth is. A lot of times, too, where people argue or whatever, and then they come out of it both thinking that they were right or that they won, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so people's impressions of a conversation often differ from the conversation itself. But rarely, in fact, I perhaps never, does someone actually make a reasonable case and the other person make a reasonable case, and that happened. I won't say never. There's, there's, there are points where you mentioned before miscommunications, like people are using words slightly differently, and they don't know that they're using words slightly differently. So when they're telling each other uh, each other's arguments, and they're both par partially correct, then they, they just can't understand what each other is saying. I, I've seen that happen. But I call this, when this happens, an invitation to violence. Well, why? I call it this because I think it is very important that people realize that what they're doing when they decide to either, or if they even don't decide, if they're negligent in their own speech, if they're not paying enough attention, if they're not conscious enough, we can call them like sleepers or sleepwalking, getting into arguments that they don't even know what they're saying because they haven't thought about it for any amount of time. They are slowly contributing to a kind of poison of, um, let's say, societal discord until violence, particularly political violence, starts to become more and more normal. Because once people cannot talk with one another, then what reprisals do they have other than lying and force? And I think, why is that relevant? Well, I don't think there's any lack of lying. And, you know, if you think of the past 10 years, the escalation of political violence, like, um, you know, we have in riots where entire, like, city blocks were burned down in multiple cities, like millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of damage. Is that not already happening, though, and we just don't hear about it as much? Um, I think we would have heard about it. The only thing I can think that's comparable is like the LA riots. But I don't think it's super unrealistic to start to expect that level of damage repeated in the near future. Like imagine um, imagine in a couple of years, we have another presidential election, Trump wins, let's say, mm -hmm. and then um, that's going to balkanize a bunch of people um, well, just because... Most of the riots been around i honestly for kind of forget so the the ones i'm thinking of the george floyd riots yeah because those were those are huge yeah. those are gigantic um i could also there was ferguson right 
There were the Ferguson riots Ferguson before that. Riots. Was that ever a shooting, like a cop shooting someone? I think it was, right? Uh, I don't know if it was a shooting or if it was a post-arrest situation where someone died. The Ferg- I can't remember. There were a series of them, but this is when um, we kind of saw the first round of on-the-street Black Lives Matter activism yeah. um, in response to a number of, um, we'll just call them police shootings for lack of a better word, some of which were... Uh, justified i think the one in ferguson might have actually been very clearly not where they had the guy in the back i think that's the one that had the guy in the back of a like a, not a police car but like a police van and they had this um practice like the bad practice in a police department where they would like drive real rough and like shake up someone mm-hmm. they had just arrested basically to kind of punish them before taking him into jail um and the guy that they had locked up had like a brittle bone disease because of uh. lead paint poisoning from when he was a child Jesus. and then it caused one of his vertebrae to slip and severed his spinal cord it is in a way it was kind of a freak accident like i'm sure they do this again it's also very unjust what they're doing they shouldn't yeah. be doing this as police officers at all uh but i'm sure they've done that to like hundreds of people yeah there's a and lot then, of stories of like and like in prisons and stuff like the people working there just being like complete shitheads yeah there's a... which i mean it makes sense because why do you like would voluntarily work in a prison like i don't think the pay is that great you're subjected to just like the worst people of the worst like i don't know i'm sure there's good people in there obviously working uh yeah i mean good bad people i have come to view most people as being let's say actors in their own self-interest which isn't bad because we all actually necessarily act in our own self-interest you can't not Mm -hmm. um are you familiar with the problem of egoism um no maybe okay so the problem of egoism (laughs) is that at the bottom of all human motivation is an i Mm-hmm. So even if it's just a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, even if it's just feeling like you completed your duty, when you do anything, you're doing it because you want to do it. I want to do it, right? For whatever reason. I want to help people because I feel like it's the right thing to do. It's like a feeling of uh, completing uh, a moral moral obligation. So what that means is that selfishness is inescapable in a sense. Now, obviously, you can be an asshole. Like you can be selfish and not be an asshole. Like, you know, if you show up to your job on time because you want a promotion, you're not being an asshole, but you're still doing it because you want the promotion, right? And everyone accepts I mean, that. I wouldn't say absolutely everything that you do is for you. I mean, like, if I feed my cat. Why do you I want to feed do your that? cat? Because it's hungry. No, but why do you want to feed it? I don't want to. I just know that I have to. So why do you do it? Because it's going to die otherwise. Well, you would rather uh, feed your cat and not have it die if you uh, than let it die. Because it's starved, right? You don't want to be the person who starves your cat. That'd I don't be want it to be. I don't. It's not that I don't want. I don't want it to like. I. <laughs> this is the problem of egoism. Enjoy its life, and I'm the only one that can let it do that. And you don't want to be the person that let's say I don't is care. Neg- no, I don't. That's not something that I even think about. Okay. Like, do you want the cat to live? Do you want the cat to be happy? I do, but it's not like... <laughs> Is that not why you feed the cat? <laughs> but that's it. I don't do it because I want Correct. it to. That's all you need. Because, you, well, you want 
the cat to to be happy and if that means you need to feed the cat then you want to feed the cat i would like i'll feed any cat that's fine <laughs> but i'm saying that at the bottom at the heart of it any of any motivation for you to be motivated means that there is a something uh in your interest compelling you toward it even if it's just the feeling that it's the right thing to do or that it's the good thing to do even even those moral feelings are at the bottom of them all the way at the base of them egoistic and uh, and all that means is that as human animals that's how our motivation system and in fact perhaps all animals that's how motivation systems work doesn't you know, it doesn't take away the distinguishment between, well, okay, you can be selfish in that you feed your cat because you want your cat to be happy, or you can be selfish in that you like rob somebody because you don't care that you, you fulfilling your self interest damages their self interests. See what I mean? Like, there, you can still draw the line where we okay, normally what draw. What about this. actions where you're doing something for someone else that like costs you? Um, again, those are valuing feelings more than material wealth. So um, let's say like, you know, me, I will do things that are agonizingly painful or not do something that would be to my material advantage because I feel like it's the right thing to do and it would like be make me a consistent person. I don't benefit in any material way, but there's a set of values that I hold that will lead me to make that decision because I want to be that person who holds us upholding that those values it, it feels right for me to do that so i want to do it so it's a feeling that i get it's a subjectivity i guess yeah it, it's tricky because like um you know you and i grew up in an era of um, i would say assumed liberalism and i mean that in the classical sense so assumed liberalism does not impose values on anybody and the reason why is uh, because this was, let's say, the the thought away from, let's say, the mixture of state and church. We wanted people to be free to exercise their own ideas. I say we, I should say like the founders of America. And a lot of people don't really realize it, but just being an American makes you kind of entrenched in this idea that values are personal. And that, um, and so we usually when we're talking about something like politics. We're very secular. We're talking about material, and we don't really give much thought to, um, let's say, abstract values anymore. Particularly because we're not very religious. Because, you know, if you read John Locke, it's like, okay, here's the state covers secular stuff, and then God will figure out the rest. And what he meant by that was all our moral values. He assumed because everyone was Christian at the time that that. Like religion was the place of values, and so it'll be in society, and that'll cover all the other things that the state, as a secular institution, doesn't cover. Well, what ended up happening, uh, as as is, as the scientific revolution went on, uh, we became even more secular in our societies. And most people, even if they're religious, really aren't really religious. You know what I mean? They're kind of like culturally yeah. religious. Uh, even us, right? Like I think uh, we're both rather. Um, atheistics in our, in our outlook would probably call ourselves uh agnostic atheists right which would mean like we're not laying claim to knowledge that like there is no god but we just kind of don't believe in god because there's not really a reason to not like i i know there is no deity in the universe but it's like yeah. I, 
if there is, I wouldn't know which one it was. Yeah. Right. And or what it would even mean for there to be a deity type of deal. So we're we're both um in those same waters. Yeah. Of assumed liberalism. And that means that we typically don't think about values at all. We just think in uh material. Values. What do you mean? So let's say uh honor, right? The idea that there is a set of right conduct and duties that make someone better if they do them and worse if they don't. That is like a value you might have. Now, you can have material values as well, like wealth, right? Uh, you could have, um, let's say, uh, like faithfulness to your partner, right? Uh, honesty. Those are immaterial values. It's not like a like a stuff, right? But it's... So you're saying we don't have values? We don't think about them very much. People still have them, but they, they're like operating in the background of their mind. They're not usually very well articulated. And even when people do articulate them, they're usually like uh, low-resolution thumbnail versions of what the values are. Like you actually ask them to explain, what do you mean by honor? They're just going to start like dumbfoundedly spouting out nonsense yeah. at you. They're not going to be able to articulate because they've never thought about it. That, by the way, is a function of conservatism and uh, tradition. Um, when it's something's a tradition, it's, it lives more easily in society as a kind of cultural idea because no one has to think about it. All you have to do is do it and repeat it. Now, that's useful because idiots can do it. Uh, but it's not useful in that if someone comes up and say, why do you believe that? And maybe the idea is good, but like you fucking don't know why you believe it. So then you say something really stupid and now you look stupid and that person looks really smart for pointing out, oh, look how dumb that guy is, yeah. right? Now, sometimes the guy is dumb and the idea is stupid and he really can't explain it because there is no explanation. But a bunch of the time also, the idea actually is worth defending. Like uh, A lot of times too, I feel like you hear something, you're like, "I that's what I believe. Like I subscribe to that. And then – the thing you just mentioned happens like four years later or something and you're like i disagree and they're like why and you're like i don't really remember everything but like yeah. i know that what you're saying is not right sometimes not a bird describe. just flies away yeah. as uh, thus speaks arthustra when he's talking about uh remembering all the arguments for his own ideas is that's his response like do i need to carry on a ca have a cask with me to carry around yeah. all my ideas like um uh, but no that does happen where you just can't remember in the defense or maybe you and that just happens i think a lot if you're not like thinking about it like most people don't think about a lot of their values and stuff like that on a daily basis unless it's like being challenged or you're like i don't know praying or something maybe you, people that pray think about important things i don't know yeah it was painful to constantly reevaluate your values because it um your values are how you decide what to do in your life and whether or not you're doing the right thing with your life for you um and so if all of a sudden you keep calling your values into question you get this feeling of existential loss like oh no like, am I wasting my life? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I committed to the wrong ideas? Like, how much of my life has I wasted? How much of my life did I think I knew myself? And really, I don't know myself at all because I, I value things that I should not have valued or maybe I thought I valued things that I don't. Um, you know, how many people are finding out now that they don't actually value career, that they would rather do things that are meaningful, like, uh, like maybe garden more often or, uh, there's a lot of people, uh, I know, since I started doing jujitsu, like they really just love doing jujitsu. And like for them, 
it would be the right decision to value doing jujitsu because you're only going to live once and like you might as well live a meaningful life and what if it's what's meaningful is like three or four times a week you go and practice jujitsu like should you value your career more give up jujitsu work at a job perhaps you're miserable at and then like have given up the thing that made let's say the suffering intrinsic to life worthwhile it's like no that's a stupid <laughs> then that's wrong so yeah. so but i think that fear that you might be doing that Right. Like if I take this promotion at work and it means that I can't do this thing that I enjoy doing. Like if I decided to take a full time job teaching, I couldn't write novels anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that would definitely pay some bills and be nice job security and prestige. Right. And, um, and, you know, be able to lord over students and tell them how it is. But would that not in the end drive me to some fit of despair when I'm like 45 and realize like if I had been writing novels this whole time, could I have been successful in the thing that I dreamed about? What if you're 45 and you aren't successful, though, and you're doing it the whole time? Yeah, well, the same thing can happen on the other side, right? Like, I could get to 45 and say, did I waste my whole life doing this? Like, was this the wrong thing to do? Which is, like, statistically what will happen. It might happen, yeah. And I also might be like... uh might be like Lovecraft where you... No one cares about what you're doing. Everyone thinks you suck. You die, and yeah, then years later, you become... Yeah. Artists. Happened to like Nietzsche. Yeah. Right? No one read his shit when he was alive. I Never. think Picasso was like that. Like, no one just knew any of his stuff until he died. Yeah. So, I think. I might be thinking of someone else. It's been a while. But, but yeah, there's that, that risk is there. And that's why people don't think about their values. Because that, like, you just start to realize, oh, shit. I don't know if, you know, you, you can very easily realize how lost you are in life. And how guideless. I think it's also why people really like dogmatic religions because they just tell you what your values are. <laughs> then you get to play this us, 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 us game, right? Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to get back to the egoism issue that brought us here to begin with. Because I have this concept called hyper-egoism. Mm -hmm. I actually have an aphorism about it. Let's see if I can, uh, I can bring it up here. And I didn't expect to be reading this one, but you know that is how the conversation goes. Let's see. Here it is. Hyper-egoism. The egoist is concerned primarily about his own self-interest. The hyper-egoist is concerned primarily about how the egoist isn't making primary his self-interest. You need to read that again? No, I think I get it. First, though, you're saying everyone is egoist, right? Yes, but now I'm introducing a new concept. Some people are even more egoist than others, and I'm calling them hyper-egoistic. Which is sort of like what you would originally call someone who's egotistical. But since you're assuming everyone is, then you have to have a word for someone like who is that. Not quite. So the hyper-egoist, they're concerned about how the egoist isn't making so if I'm saying I'm a yeah, like goes, my, you aren't your, making my self-interest your highest interest. Yeah. Right? Which is like how you would sort of typically describe someone like egotistical. Like all about themselves and kind of like want other people. Like they want attention, basically. I think it's how you describe someone who thinks they're altruistic. Let's do an example. Let's say that Probably. you... Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's like someone who's like, super uh religious right it it could be but i i i'm not there's sure definitely the something like super egotistical about the like religious person who is like you know sort of 
Like, they have the air about them that they are just, like, an angel on Earth, basically. Like, they know all the truth, and, like, they have, like, all the wisdom for you. For, like... And, like, they may have good intentions, but, like, it comes off as, like, really... Like, you don't know... You don't actually know anything more than, like, I could know. But when people act like they just, like, you know... It, it, which is probably if you like really believe in your religion or whatever, you like why wouldn't you think that, right? Sort of, yeah. So the, unless you didn't actually believe it, and it was just like, you know, the culture that you're in. Let's focus on the intentionality of that person, because there's a bunch of people. The religious person who thinks they're doing good, would say, by uh, berating you for not following their religion. Is perhaps one example berating though, berating so like to uh, try and shame you for like let's say like uh, like I'm not a Christian you are and you're trying to shame me for not being a Christian and you think that I should uh, be a Christian because that's a good thing to do, mm-hmm. right? So that that would be one form of hyper hyper egoist, but an, an easier way to understand this might be like let's say that um, you want to open up a soup kitchen, right? Yeah. Let's say you do. That costs a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. You personally do not have the money to afford to open it up. Um, and we'll say that you're not very charismatic. It's not very much like Leo Lang. Leo Lang is actually very charismatic and might actually be able to raise the money if you put it put in the effort to do that. I doubt it, but let's go but, but he wants to say <laughs> Leo Lang wants to open a soup kitchen. And then you look at me and you say, it's wrong of you to not want to donate to me to open the soup kitchen. Are people really like that, though? Hell yes, they're like that. Okay, so... I just... I don't expose myself to a lot of people. <laughs> like a that, shocking... That a shocking regard. number of people. Because imagine, if, let's say I have a political cause, and I think my political cause is just, and therefore I feel justified on imposing the cost of that on people in general. Well, that is all government, basically, right? Correct. That's most government. Because <laughs> if they're taxing you, like that's an involuntary thing. Like, yes, taxation is theft. And and your taxes, it's not like you choose where your taxes are going. They and just you, no. You can't choose to opt out either. Yeah. Like you're you're going to be taxed. That would be funny if it's like, you know, I want all my taxes to go for schools or like, <laughs> yeah. but, like I'm sure the military would get way less funding that way. Yeah, unless we got invaded, then all of a sudden, true. Then, then it <laughs> switch. Then we're back to where we are now. But, um, but yeah, that that you are pointing out something that's right. Yeah. So if I think, okay, I am justified in pointing the guns of the state at you, right? If I, if we all vote enough in one direction, the gun, the state will point guns at you and say, "Give us your money, so we can do this thing, so I can get what I want." I feel justified in doing that because I think my cause is just. That is the hyper egoist, the person who thinks. Yeah, I mean, we don't even know where our taxes go. No, honestly. but but let's assume that they they go toward whatever the, yeah. the this person wants. They are irritated at people who don't let's say agree about where they should put their money, right? So or or, or put their time and their energy, their effort, mm-hmm. uh, their labor. Now it's fine to want to open the soup kitchen. But I actually think that the person who says you're a bad person for not prioritizing the soup kitchen that I want 
is, let's say, unconsciously selfish and is projecting his or her own selfishness onto the other person, not realizing that we're both acting in our own self-interests. You have your values. I have different values. How we come to those values is a whole other conversation. But rather than recognize that we're both trying to fulfill those values in us, each of us, and we're both struggling to do that, and like maybe I shouldn't try to just impose my will on you and make you my slave so that I can get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, the person says, no, I'm a good person for imposing my will on you. However, I can manage to do that. And you're a bad person for resisting. That is hyper egoism, right? The mistake of thinking I'm the one selfless one and you're the selfish person. Therefore, I'm the one who's in the moral right to force you to do what I want. Yeah, I guess I would just call that person an idiot. <laughs> Hyper egoist is, a, I guess, more accurate description. It describes the, the, the fact that they are, in a sense, somehow even more selfish than normal selfish people, which everyone is. Because they, it, you know, if I say we're both selfish, we both want what we want, and I acknowledge that, so I'm going to get what I want, and you're, and you're going to get what you want as best we can get them. But I, I, you're not in some moral obligation to give me what I want, right? Because I recognize you have your self-interest too. Yeah. So we're both, you know, making our way through the world. And, you know, maybe we, our self-interests align. We help each other. That's great. We both get more of what we want. And then you have some asshole who thinks he's like, let's say, divinely uh, endowed with worthiness to your shit. And your time and your energy. And you have to submit your values to their values because I'm whining at you. Or really, it's because I'm going to appeal to other people who point guns at you and force you. That's the usual situation. Uh, I meant to say this earlier. We were having a conversation about, I can't remember what it was with politics. Um, But if you are the cartel in Mexico, right? Uh, So Leon was telling you, tell tell us about... uh, your experience in Mexico with the cartel? Um, they're very much like not hiding. Like it was very out in the open. Like like all the, the officials knew about them, it, which is, I don't know. It just seems so weird. Like if you were a police officer or something, like how does, how do you function when there's like, like a massive gang that is sort of just like a part of the city? Were they well-dressed? What? Were the cartel members well-dressed? Mm, honestly they just look like regular people okay so there's normal people well what i want to get out there when you mention that is if you look at the foundation of all governments they mm. are let's say essentially the sanctioned gang they're a gang yeah, i mean it's just that that like turns into the government i mean it which is like i don't know how much in mexico they have like how different the government from the cartel is like as far as what influences what but i know it's like a big part of it like if the cartel wants something they sort of just are allowed to get it i don't know yeah and that kind of reveals the nature of what what we're doing whenever we're playing political games it's working with the most powerful gang around to try and achieve uh, our own ends uh, i mentioned in that conversation we had earlier, these three types of people. So classically, there's like this idea, there's those who pray, those who fight, and those who work. 
So those who pray are the clergy. Those who fight are the noble classes. That's like the king, his lords, and the lords' knights, that type of idea. And then those who work are all the, let's say, in the classical sense, peasantry. Nietzsche had a different way of conceptualizing this that maps directly onto that. He said there are um, the free spirits, warrior kings, and the herd. And he thought that the those who pray bit was kind of a bastardization on the free spirits, uh, where the, the clergy are essentially, uh, you know, ruling by subterfuge. But the other parts are very much what you would think they are. You know, you've got the uh, those who fight, essentially. That's what a king is. That's the the warrior clan, which is a functionally a gang that serves to provide stability by beating out all of the other petty gangs and then setting up the whole turf as their turf. Because you notice when a gang has turf, they don't actually want their turf to be shot up in like, you know, just a hellhole. Yeah. They want to be rich. Um, that forms the apparatus of the state. And the herd is what Nietzsche called the mediocre. These are people mostly who are not good, very good at most things, but they are, um, let's say, perhaps specialized in a particular skill. Um, but yeah, that's... That's the whole apparatus of the of the the state and government, and uh, in relation to the hyperegoism is a frustration for me because people believe that they're good people, even when um, they are all they're doing is appealing essentially to a very well organized mob to go you know force out their will, sort of like taking out a hit on somebody like yeah. to get what you want, and that get, brings us back to an invitation to violence. So why did I bring that up at the beginning? Is because when people aren't willing to sit down and talk to you and have a conversation and actually work out, you know, what you're going to do, that's what they're doing. It at the bottom of all of our, let's say disagreement and discourse is a kind of very obfuscated threat of violence. And Nietzsche said this thing is kind of audacious. It's a, equality for equals inequality for unequals so if like you're equal to someone you can have equality with them but if you're not then like you lose because you're not as strong as they are or not as smart as they are or not as whatever it is um and i really i think that's what he's pointing out is that kind of machiavellian situation where it would be better if we recognize this is the case um because when when we understand that at the bottom of this is is violence, then we are more apt to not choose it. So uh, I think I mentioned this before uh, about gorillas, right? And how mm -hmm. gorillas don't get into that all that many and uh, violent altercations with one another, because if two gorillas fought, like one gorilla would be dead and the other gorilla would be maimed. They um, do fight though. Well, they posture. They rush each other. And then when they get within an inch of each other, one backs down and the other is now dominant. You see this with lions too, and wolves. Uh, so let's say if you've got a dispute with lions, eventually one lion will do this like submissive pose where it like lays down. Or with wolves, uh, they'll be fighting over dominance and one wolf will turn off on its back and show its neck. And then the, the winner usually does not continue because they have this kind of instinctive hierarchy and this is a kind of um, hierarchical dispute system that has evolved where we get into a fight we end the fight early 
in a safe way so that I can live and still propagate my genes. You can, uh, you know, still live. Maybe you don't get to propagate your genes because oftentimes they're fighting over mates, but um, at the very least, you're still useful to the pack. Like any like so, social animals engage I mean, in this. It depends on what, like when a guy line loses the other, he gets like kicked out and the new guy like bangs all the chicks or whatever. Yes. But amongst um, males and females, the females get uppity. And they do this mm, like okay. there's yeah you can you can see yeah. them where they especially because the male lions have a tendency to like um kill offspring if they're not sure that it's theirs and so the female uh the lionesses are very defensive of their cubs because the males are any male even if it's the father is, is always dangerous because you don't know yeah um and but it, it's funny because what brings about that peace is the fact that at the bottom of it is uh, violence, is force. So when it, it's an acknowledgement of the disaster that going to that force would lead to. What I was talking about at the beginning, when mm -hmm. we just go along with people when they're manipulating or when they're strong-arming, what we're doing is we are forgetting, essentially. Forgetting is not the right word because most of us probably have, have never known this, never thought this through. But we are losing grasp of the fact that it's either we can come to the table and we can talk and we can play the, uh, what I call the game of reason, whether it's a game or not, right? We can play the game of reason or society will inch, will nudge a little closer into um, a stupid violent dispute that has uh, one loser and one partial loser over and over and over and over again until you reach some disaster um and yeah i think that's perhaps the the real core message i wanted i shouldn't say wanted people to get because i wrote those aphorisms heavily inspired by nietzsche and like so they're hard as fuck to understand so you're saying like um it's a call to violence because in a way all ideas are somewhat backed up by violence like dispute resolution at the bottom of it that um you can only come to peace when we both acknowledge that this could go to violence and if it did it would be stupid like it's music like mutually assured destruction we could both launch nukes at each other but that's dumb as fuck so we're not going to do that instead let's like let's resolve this with constraints now all of a sudden there are things we're not going to do because if you cross a line and then i have to launch a nuke at you then you have to launch a nuke at me ah oh, fuck but at Both the same dead. time i guess that might not be the best analogy because most people don't have access to nukes well that's a, if we're talking about a country but with yeah. people like um, what is the nuke for like a person mostly with people uh nowadays especially it's voting because when you cast a vote what you're doing is you're essentially a, a applying your tiny contribution of force you're trying to imagine the state is a gun because any law has to be enforced and for the yeah. police to enforce things they have to be able to arrest you and if you resist they have to be able to shoot you and otherwise no laws would be could be enforced yeah okay so we understand that the state fundamentally the state are the sanctioned gangsters who enforce the law so would i want something to be done politically um, I and I, I vote in someone I think is going to do that politically. That's going to impose my political will. We might say, we were Um Then 
I am applying a very obfuscated amount of force. And let's say that we get into a conversation about politics um, and I am a total hypocrite and I'm not even willing to engage with reason with you to come to some resolution. It's even worse. So not only am I not acknowledging that my will to use politics to get what I want is violence, but I'm also trying to, uh, let's say, cheat at the game of reason to get you to shut the fuck up and go along with what I'm saying. Right? I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it's like double. Lens. Yeah, and, I, and it could be uh, religious as well. I'm trying to batter you into, uh, let's say, obeying my religious tenets, whether or not you really believe it, right? Although at least religion isn't currently in most of the world backed up like a yeah like the government yeah not anymore not in america anyway yeah, right not, i mean it's definitely aren't there are still countries like that right in like the middle east yeah mostly. i mean technically even in uh britain the head like the um head of the church is the queen oh she is yeah head of the anglican church yeah doesn't she have a lot of power too but she just doesn't like really like, is it is is it like yes, monarchy? And, yeah, yeah, they're a monarchy. Like, obviously, it is there king and queen. Like, there's no king. There, but. there are things that the royalty can do, but a lot of it is kind of in name. So, are they sort of like a president then? No, not they don't have that. I don't think they have that much power. Oh, okay, so they couldn't just decide one day, like, all right, we're invading the United States or or some random country, like the that particular person couldn't in the same way that like you could do a coup d'etat i think they could like if they i think and they might even have legal quote i'm going the air quotes here legal grounds i'm not sure on british law but you know if all of a sudden they had a, a king or queen who said listen we need to go to war here and all the generals were like yeah we are following the queen probably legally that would be um they would be able to do it, but the chances of that happening are, pro- are very low. Mm-hmm. You'd probably have, you know, need to go through parliament. Uh, and the they're very hands off, the monarchy in Britain, and have been actually for. I know they have. Time. I just was wondering if it's like, are they like that because they just happen to be, or are they just not have a ton of power? So they sort of just kind of become that, or both. And I'm sure it will. It will I, I know, like, culturally, they want to keep it. And that's probably why it's around, right? Yeah. Like, well, you have to understand. Not actually having that much power. Well, you have to understand that when you're talking about power in that way, that power is always given. Like, obviously, say the queen is just an old lady. Unless people decide, yes, we want to listen to you and give her. Which I know a lot of people like really respect her. For some reason, I don't know yeah. much of history or anything about it. Yeah, but. that that's there's a whole conversation um, in and of itself about the um, let's say maintenance of, of conservative figures, and actually, uh, there's also an argument that we in America probably would do well if we had a figurehead um, aside for the president, um, because when you, the president is the executive, they kind of serve as like the quote unquote king while they're in office. They're like yeah. the face. And it would be and nice. That's what everybody blames everything on, pretty much, that happens. Yes, and it would be nice if we had some other person or set of people who were the representatives of the country without making very many political decisions. 
so that that person can kind of be the like the face of the country that everyone can identify with and most people can get along with agreeing that we respect because in britain like most british people have that like you mentioned reference and deference to the queen because the queen is mostly non-political which means that even if we disagree with each other politically this is part of our cultural tradition and it unites yeah. us as a nation it's a symbol in which yeah, around it's a good uh, analogy i guess or reference yeah it, it, it's uh it's a, again another one of those whole conversations in themselves yeah um Oh, here's here's a good uh, thing to ask if just in case we decide to wrap it up. So, um, you know, this whole conversation is kind of about conversations of disagreement, and obviously, I didn't convince you about reason being a game. But I mean, <laughs> you didn't not convince me. Um, it is like I mean, it is. I conceded that it is kind of basically a game in a way. Yeah. Well, it's same way that we're all selfish and everything is all for us even though like sure i agree with that but it's like there are definitely times in your life where you do something you really don't want to do and not even so that you can feel good about it later but just like because you know it's the thing that should be done or like you're it's like an awkward situation or you're doing it for somebody else or like i guess an example i can think of is Hopefully he isn't randomly listening to this, uh, but the guy, the old guy from the library who I play chess with afterwards on Saturday just talked for like an hour and I could not really find a way out without like seemingly being rude. So I just like happily went along with it happily as in like I was like talking and all that, but inside I was like, how long like how long is this going to go on for <laughs> like i just yeah. want to go home your desire to leave was uh battling up against your desire not to be rude to this guy yeah and you do and what one was your desire not to be rude i don't it usually <laughs> i'll always do that unless i just dislike the person like this is not that big of a deal yeah um but but at the bottom of it you didn't want to be rude to person someone who you somewhat like you play chess with regularly yeah, I I didn't really think of what the reason was. There's like lots of reasons. I don't know. Yeah, and at the bottom of all of them is I. That's what ego means, by the way, is I. Yeah, well, it's a it's a <laughs> fucked up I because it it, didn't, it was uncomfortable. It was not something enjoyable. Afterwards, it was like, man, thank God that's over. <laughs> I didn't say I was that. A, it was not like a yeah, like awesome. My I didn't ego say it was, like yes. I didn't say it was God. pleasurable. I just said that uh, of the choices that's the one that you would say fulfilled the ego desire the most right like you wanted to leave but it mattered more not to be rude uh in that circumstance so my talk is coming back um yeah but how about my uh my my the starting out with the invitation to violence do you think that that um let's say as an argument now that you kind of heard it fully mm -hmm. fleshed out you think that's valid invalid I would say it is in the way that, like, nowadays, or maybe not just nowadays, but all ideas are sort of backed up by force. Um, so I could, I could see that, yeah, being a call to violence, because if you're not, like, willing to solve it with reason, then that's, like, that's the default alternative. 
Yeah, there's nothing really, nothing yeah, else. It's like, either I can manipulate you and try to make you feel bad emotionally. That's one way. Or I can just punch you in the face. And <laughs> it's all like violence is dumb. Cause like, I agree. It's cause it's, it's more important than reason. Because if you lose the violence, you've lost and you're wrong. Even if you are right, like, but it's like, it doesn't actually solve the thing. Um, but yet it's there and it's like the, the easier option. Um, yeah, I guess it's not easier, but it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's a whole different thing, but they both have the same like end goal in a way, not end goal, but like, end uh, like, I don't know what I'm saying. We but. could say, here, I'll give you a starship troopers quote that will, um, that will explain what you're trying to say. Okay. Violence is the supreme authority upon which all other authorities rest. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so it's like it's it's the ground on which we can build better things. Like it's it kind of sucks to sleep on the ground, but if you don't have any ground, like try putting a bed down. It's not going to work too well. You know, put it in the ocean or something. Just, um, but. Yeah, um, I and think is it's, that, that's just because we're not invincible. If we become invincible, then violence will mean nothing. Yes, but now we're getting into, uh, let's say, what Nietzsche would call false idols or I- ideal <laughs> images that we that aren't real, and then we end up in disaster situations when we well, treat them we, as real. If we create really advanced, like AR VR that we're all we all get like sucked into it then then it will be real except for the people who are outside the matrix fighting the machines true <laughs> they made a movie about that already yeah well well i hope uh, i was able to convince the the audience listening as well uh, if not you can uh let me know at my various we have comments turned off though so well, depending where I think I'll put this on YouTube, so <laughs> that YouTube, I'm, just... I'm going to put, leave the comments on. I know, you can... I'm just because we referenced it earlier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, let us know in the comments below. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard that on YouTube. What do you guys think? Um, what do you think? Of, you know, we're full, Are we full of ourselves? Uh, was Leon right? Is Reason not really a game? No, it's, I mean, it's probably a game. I, I, mo- I mostly came over to all the sides. I'm just like very devil's advocate yeah all right i think we'll, we'll call it here it's okay. fun show thank yeah. you for coming on leon see yes all right see you You're guys welcome. later <laughs> <laughs>